of those events, first of all, that you can make lots of excuses to not go to. Like, I don't sing. I'm not good at that. And then when you hear about praying or knocking on doors of strangers and you think, oh, I don't know about that, I want to encourage you. Caroling is one of the events where it's like Jesus was talking to John's disciples. He said, go back and tell John this. He said, hey, the, the lame walk, the blind see, the kingdom of God is being preached. Every year when we come back from caroling, I say people got saved, people got healed, the presence of Jesus was in people's homes, breaking down of division and and. and Racial divide and economic divide and everything. And all of a sudden you're at a moment where you're in the presence of God with people and they are loving it. And you're bringing it. You're bringing Him. So I just want to encourage you. You know, the last year our numbers were down. I'm just going to be honest for how many people went. Um, But there used to be a time where almost everyone would go and all we did was sing. Um, but there's there's such an, an amazing moment where where God is is stretching us to do something new and more, and I love it, and I I I love it, and I want you to experience it because when you experience the kingdom of God, it does something to you. Yesterday I was, we were at we were at the house and we had determined we weren't going to leave the house yesterday in the afternoon. We were just going to try to do nothing, which is pretty rare for us. And and uh, I was I was outside changing, helping my neighbor change his spare tire, flat tire, and and my friend Chris Rhodes pulled up. Those of you who know Chris has preached here before, and we grew up together. We did elementary school together, then we did college together, and uh, then we did seven years, eight years of life together on a church staff in San Antonio. And he said, "I was in Kyle, and I just I just came by, and he just came in, and we just started talking." And and we started talking about encounters with God. We were actually talking about our kids, and we were just talking about how we want to make sure that we're offering them the same encounters that we had. And but the presence of God was in there. And I want to tell you that moments like this morning, don't let it be familiar. Don't let it be where it's like, yeah, yeah, God was in there. I wonder what's happening on the football game, or I wonder what's. For lunch, I know all of you right now, it's 10 minutes till noon, are thinking about lunch. But I was talking to Chris and I said, remember that time we laid in that living room, we were just listening to this song, Show Me Your Face by Don Potter. Oh, someone knows it. And we got up and it had been four hours because you just lay in there and you're like, God, why? Because moments can... Turn into transformation moments if you let them. And so I don't want to get up here and forget that there's a king in the room. I want you to maybe walk out of here and say, I've never experienced him like that before. And if I have, I want to have it more every day, every time. And I just I want you to not walk away from this and be like, I wonder what next week is going to be like. Maybe this week sets the tone for next week. Maybe this week, this today, sets the tone for your next, whole week. But all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm thinking different. I'm believing different. I'm living different. Why? Because there was a king in the room.
So I just I don't want you to miss that this morning. I'm going to do something. It's going to be a little bit different, but I just I'm actually going to preach out of a prophetic word that I feel like the Lord is is rekindling. I know the word of the Lord is true and alive forever. And so I'm going to tell you a story, and then we're going to get after it. I was calculating. I think it was 23 years ago. Uh, Elizabeth and I were going to the church in San Antonio, where Chris was, and and we were just we were in a really interesting place where we had we had a lot of guests and a lot of prophetic guests. It was a very prophetic house, and and um, we had received a word multiple words about what we would be carrying in life. You know, mantles and gifts. And and if you don't know, ask the Lord to speak to you. And we were just, we were young people. And man, we were like, we were like the, it's called a candy bird if you're hunting. There's always a bird that's lower and slower. You always shoot it first, right? And And we were like the candy birds. We sat on the front row and we were in love with Jesus. And everyone that came, man, they just prophesied over us. But we didn't realize it was setting the course of our life. And we got words about swords and spears and, and sickles and shields. And, and, and those began to fill us up. Well, then there's a point where you have to become what the potential says. Right? And so uh, Elizabeth, Lisa is from Bay City, and that's where Elizabeth's family's from. And if you don't know, Hill Country was a church planting church, and so it had planted a church in, in Bay City, and and uh, that's where Lisa and Elizabeth's dad found the Holy Spirit, and got all messed up. That's why she is the way she is now. And 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 so we would go down and visit. Well, one time the pastor he said, "Hey, your dad's the founding pastor of this place, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Next time you come, why don't you preach on Sunday morning?" And I was like, sure, yeah, no problem. But on the inside, I was like, no, God, no. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And so the next time we go down, it was quickly. It was just in a few weeks or maybe a month. I remember I I was scared to death, to be honest. I was scared to death. And the Lord told me, I want you to preach on what it looks like for a whole city to be won by Jesus. 23 years old, I'm going to stand up and tell all these people, quit believing for a bigger church and believe for a city. And... I wasn't thrilled with the word the Lord gave me. And the truth is, I was scared that all the potential wasn't real. That's just honest. I remember, you know, Elizabeth, she just gifted, man. It was just pour out of her. But I felt like I had to really work at it. And so she was just in the house talking to her grandma. I said, I'm going to go for a walk. And I was walking around that circle on Spruce Street. And I was just praying, and the truth is I was fear praying. Anyone know what fear praying is? God, get me out of this. <laughs> or even, even more holy, God, just come do something so awesome I don't have to go. Like, just show up, and I'll just get up and say, God's moving, this is great, just keep doing it, you know? And, and he said, no, I will not. And this is what he told me. He said, because in your hand is sword and shield and spear and sickle, sword, and shield, and spear, and sickle. And as I walked around that block, I just heard him say it over and over, sword, and shield, and spear, and sickle. That's what I've put in you. 
sword. And when I would say, God, what do you want me to do? He would say, sword and shield and spear and sickle. He was determining not what I was going to do the next day. He was determining the course of my life because he was saying, the words you have on you are now to happen. Why do I say that? Because I was, I was in my office two weeks ago and I said, God, what are you asking of your people in this season, this church, this community of believers? But more than that, I was even asking God, what are you asking of your church in America, in the world? And I heard him say, sword and shield and spear and sickle. Because we've been on this place of harvest and and and. I don't know where you guys have been with that, but I'm telling you, it's the word of the Lord and it's where we're going. And if you're part of this community, pick up a sickle. It's time. And Lolly came running up to me and was like, she was like, it's nine months to the day that we talked about harvest on the front porch, which means it's time for it to be birthed. But I felt like the Lord was like, sickle is the is is one of them, but it's sword and shield and spear and sickle. It's time. So you know, I, I just want to take a minute and look at, at those spiritually and biblically. What does that mean? You know, I, I believe this, that the reason he's saying it like that, sword and shield and spear and sickle, and for me, there's a very distinct order. When I try to say I'm out of order, he's like, nope, that's not what I said. For you, it may be a different order, but there are things that our hands have to find to do in this season. And then this morning I was praying and I just heard the Lord say, I'm looking for a multifaceted people who can do all things. And not the jack of all trades, the master of none. But in the kingdom, you can master everything you're doing and be diverse. Do more things than one. And, and I think about that, you know, it says in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, in the NIV it says, I became all things to all men, right? So that some would be saved. I became all things. I got, he, and listen to what it says. Oh, I didn't bring my message. Yeah, awesome. You're a fire, Deb. It says, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into God's saved life. Have we picked up everything God is offering to us? Are we just single dimension church? And the problem with that is we need a multifaceted church to reach a diverse people. To reach a diverse world. To battle diverse battles. You know, like, I mean, it's funny. Let me give you an example. Like, say you have a revelation on binding and loosing. Anyone ever had that revelation? Why? It says in the Scriptures that what you bind will be bind, what you lose will be loose. But have you found that if you try to introduce that to every situation, let's get honest, it didn't work. Not in every situation. Why? Because first of all, we need to learn how to do only what the Father is doing. So if we're binding what the Father is binding, I promise you it's working. And if we're loosing what the Father is loosing... But when we try to make it a formula or we say, I'm good at this and this is what I, this is my part of the kingdom, I'm telling you, you've just, you've just diminished yourself in the kingdom. Because you're multifaceted. You've become every sort of servant. You've learned how to pick up sword and shield and spear and sickle at the moment it's needed. 
I've got so many construction at like listen, if it's time to cut a board and you pick up a hammer, something wrong with you. You can do it. I've done it. Because I worked for Bill Jones, and that meant sometimes you showed up with a bucket of tools and you're like, we need to build a scaffolding. I'm like, that's a hammer. And where's the saw? He's like, just hack through it with the claw. What? I mean, it will work, but it's not going to be pretty. And probably not functional. What am I saying? I believe that the church has tried to, to so equip and train in such a way that they've missed the fact that everybody has to be multifaceted. If we get in this weird thing like, hey, what's your gift? You got the Holy Spirit in you. You got all the gifts. You got every gift that's needed. When I need to prophesy, I can prophesy. And when I need to administrate, hopefully Elizabeth's there. But if she's not, I can. And if it's the gift of hospitality, it's going to be something manly, like grilled meat. But I can do it. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't, if we don't value the Holy Spirit in our lives, then, then we make everything a formula in the kingdom and like, this is what I'm good at. The world doesn't need what you're good at. The world needs what you're good at anointed by the Holy Ghost. Because you might be good at something you don't even know. You might have gifts in the Holy Spirit that you never tap into naturally. You might have gifts. You might, you might be carrying prophetic wording you've never once dreamt of giving someone a word. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's carrying something for someone. Maybe you've never prayed for someone to be healed and like, oh, it's just not my gift. And the Holy Spirit's like, I need you today to pray for someone. And He's looking for a people. So sword and shield and spear and sickle. I, there you go, Damaris. That was for you. That's between us. She always jokes about me going up those stairs backwards. But I, I believe this, that first I give myself full permission to go to these over the next few weeks. So I'm going to do a quick overview biblically of what it means to carry the sword and shield and spear and sickle. Because the truth is, we're in a modern society and all of that means nothing if we don't define it biblically. I mean, if you're running around LARPing and like with sword and shield and spear and sickle, I, I mean, I hope you're having fun, but... We're, we're talking about real weapons. Spiritual weapons that God has put in our hands. Hey, Deb, can you throw up that uh, Passion Translation? Second uh, Corinthians 6-7. I'm jumping ahead a little because I want you to understand this. this is, we commend ourselves to you by our truthful teachings, by the power of God working through us, and with the mighty weapons of righteousness. A sword in one hand and a shield in the other. These are weapons that God has given His children. This is God's plan. Why? Because the enemy does not like the fact that all authority has been taken from him. And he's rebellious. He's been rebellious from the beginning. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. And so he's not like, oh, okay, Jesus took all authority back, so I'm just going to bow down and take it. He's actually he's trying to usurp your authority and the kingdom of God's authority. And God says, I'm going to give you some weapons. To fight this. And so the first one is the sword. Now, if you want to do a quick biblical study, and if you're new in the kingdom, and if you're new in this Christian life, man, read Ephesians. It's wonderful. And it, and, but at the end of it, 
Paul is giving a list of spiritual things that God has given us, you know, righteousness, a breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. And then he says, hey, there's a sword of the Spirit. And that's in Ephesians 6.17. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So he defines what the, what the sword is. The first sword we have to pick up in this season is the Word of God. Why? Because multiple things. First of all, we live in a generation of opinion. Your opinion, your neighbor's opinion, and we've told everybody it's all that counts. See, the, the problem with that is it counts, but it's not all that counts. Because when you enter the Word of the Lord into the picture, it changes things. And God is saying, I need you to pick up my Word. What does that look like for some of you? I'm going to show you a simple illustration. Pick up this Word. It's alive and active and powerful. I read a verse that I probably read 10,000 times the other day, and it jumped off the page at me. It was highlighted, underlined, starred, dates, all these things, and it was still alive. So the first thing, pick up this. Pick up your personal words that God has given you. Ty had something so awesome this morning. We were in pre-service prayer, and we were. I just said, hey, we're not leaving this room empty. I want you to look around on the floor, spiritually, and ask God, what do you want me to pick up this morning? And Ty came up and he said, I picked up words that I've laid down, and I'm picking them back up. There's personal words that all of you have. If maybe you read a scripture and you're like, I'm going to be that, then that's your word. Listen what it says in Ephesians. I mean, Hebrews. I was just in Ephesians. This is what it says about the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12. Obviously, I've got Ephesians on the mind. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, we have to understand the sword first comes to us. We've been hacking away in the atmosphere, and God says, no, I gave you a sword, and the first thing it does is it works on you. It works on you. It gets in there. And when you try to apply it to everyone else, let me tell you, it's not what it's made for. It's made for you. And then it will be made for the enemy. But if it's not made in you, it won't work on the enemy. And listen to what it says. I I just want to point this out. It says that it divides between soul and spirit. I believe we have never been in a greater time in history that soul and spirit have to be divided. Now, does God value our soul? Yes. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. What's it? It's telling his soul, come in to subjection to your spirit, right? Because my, my, my mind, my will, my emotions, my opinion are trying to rule everything and my spirit is greater. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to send a word to you and it's going to come in and it's going to divide between soul and spirit. It's going to show you the difference. One of them is valid. It's telling you how you feel. The other one is truth and it'll set you free. And when they're divided and clearly divided, let me tell you, your your soul comes under subjection to your spirit. And all of a sudden you start thinking different. You start processing different. You start believing different. Why? Because your spirit has been divided from that thing that's trying to control you. Amen. 
See, the truth is, no, I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm open. These are the things. Listen, we've been taught, if we're careful, a soulish gospel. And it's a spirit gospel that God has given. He said, I came to rejuvenate your spirit, born of the spirit. Don't get me wrong. I, I love emotions. I love what God has done in me. I love that he's changed me. I love what he's done in my soul. But it's because of the work in my spirit that he's done that, not the process. He has come in and divided and said, that's not me. That's not me. Stop. Sometimes dad comes to the woodshed and just says, stop. And if you don't know what that means, I'm sorry. You, I knew what it meant early in life. When my mom said stop and I didn't, dad had the belt halfway out. See, that sounds like abuse. No, it was parenting. If we embrace it, if we embrace what God is doing, it will guard our hearts. If you embrace, you pick up that sword and say, this is in my hand, it will guard our hearts. Listen to what it says. It says, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Here's the good news. The attitudes of your heart are not keeping you away from God. He's not afraid of them. But He is going to send the Word to divide it and say, hey, that attitude right there, that's not from Me. That attitude right there is the spirit of the age. That attitude right there is demonic. That attitude right there is you. It's flesh. And He's going to come and say, "Because listen, why? Because Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flow all the issues of life. That's why it's sword first. Because I want to protect your heart. Everything I'm going to do in you and everything you're going to pick up depends on how your heart is. I think we're only doing the sword today. Dang it. No, we're going to do the sickle. Because i got two ladies about to drop a word that's fire. But I'm going I'm to finish the sword, then we're going to jump to the sickle because I want to give you a testimony about what it looks like to pick up the sword. But I want you to understand... This division between soul and spirit is the key to longevity in the kingdom. Let me give you an example. And, and I, I'm just telling you, I've been on this huge journey with Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Because Judas was given the same exact invitation as Peter and John. And I just feel like the Lord has told me, I don't want a church full of Judases. Whoa. What's that mean? People that experience me but aren't transformed. People that are around me but don't understand. People that are near me, with me, praying with me, loving on me, loving what I'm doing, and then all of a sudden they're not. And and I've just been I've been so I, honestly I've just been reading a lot about Judas. I've even been reading some of the the church history about him and what it looks like and. Because he had every I, I mean I am so big on the mercy of God that I believe that when he was at the table. At the end, with Jesus, there was still a moment where he could have said, I choose you as Lord. He's like, well, what about the plan? Somebody else would have given Jesus up. I'm like, well, that's with the sovereignty of God. Let it mess with you a little bit. Because I would rather believe he's merciful and willing for everyone to have that encounter than build some weird theology that God handcuffed himself. He's not even in time, guys. And, 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 I, and I've been thinking about Judas. And you know the big problem with Judas? 
is that he thought he knew how it was supposed to go. His plan. And, and when Jesus would talk about a heavenly kingdom, he would always process the word of the Lord in his soul that Israel is going to be restored. And I believe we're in the most dangerous place of the church right now where God is speaking. And he's telling us amazing things he's going to do. And if we're not careful, if we don't let it divide, we'll let it get in our soul and we will process what that means out of our soul. And we will miss what the Spirit is saying, which is always truth and truth that brings freedom. And instead, we'll just get stuck with what we think the Word of the Lord means. And it doesn't come to pass. And then we get mad at God for not fulfilling His Word. That's exactly what happened with Judas. He realized that this kingdom that Jesus was talking about was not going to happen the way He wanted. And for 30 pieces of silver, sold Jesus out. Why? Because His soul was overwhelmed with grief that it wasn't going to look like He wanted it to. It's so important to understand we got to pick up the sword. We got to let it divide in us. Let me tell you, the calculation sometimes is not fun when it begins to divide between soul and spirit. I mean, for me, sometimes it's like one for spirit, ten for soul. Two for spirit, ten for soul. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll process everything like we know. And and if this really bothers you, I'm just telling you it's in your soul right now. Oh, I believe the proper use of what God is doing is a story, and then we're going to end with this, and then these two firebrands are going to come up here and tell us testimony that we've been trying to get done for a couple weeks here. So I'm not giving up. But in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 9 and 10, it says, Next to him was Eleazar, son of Doadai the Ohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when he taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamam for battle. I love it that they taunted him. It's okay sometime. You see the enemy? Come on. I just always look at it. Come on. Here we go. And it says, Then the men of Israel retreated. So the ones that were walking with the king understood that it was time for the enemy to defeat it. They taunt them. Sometimes taunting is not allowed. In the NFL, it's never allowed. But sometimes in the kingdom, it's just letting the enemy know your days are numbered. But the enemy retreated. And it just struck me when, struck me when I was reading the story the other day that if you properly understand the sword, you won't retreat no matter what. Next verse. But Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead that I will add on that he had created. What am I saying? There's a proper use of the sword that causes you to stand no matter what. There's a proper use knowing what's in your hand that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a crazy moment where he was like, it's me and this sword and an army. But then he thought, wait, I've got a sword. I love it. There's another story where it's Dave, Jonathan and his armor bearer and said they had one sword. When they killed the first guy, they had two. 
He's looking for people to pick up their sword. He's looking for people to let it come in and purge your heart and divide between soul and spirit and it will freeze to your hand. And people are like, man, you got so much of the word of the Lord pouring out of you. It's like, it's in my hand. I'm never laying it down. Actually, I can't now. It's frozen to me. Like, did he ever get to lay it down? I'm sure he did. But this is about, the story is about a picture. You take hold of the sword. Even when everybody else is retreating, you'll stand. And then you go back to Ephesians. When you've done all to stand. Stand. How do we do that? Because the Word's in our hand. It's frozen in our hand. And when other people come, and they come at the end and they're like, hey, how did you do that? You just say, hey, take what God has provided for us off the dead. I like it. See, that's grim. Take what God has provided for us and the victories that He has created. And other people will come and pick up their sword and pick up their shields, and pick up their spears, because you had the sword frozen in your hand. Guys, how are we going to become a people that God has called us by sword and shield and spear and sickle? We're going to jump ahead just a little bit. So Carol and Deanne will come up here. I'm going to need a mic. I want to encourage you and inspire you with a testimony today. Because when we start talking about harvest and sickles and all those things, there's so much generally disqualification. I need your help. You got it, Mama? I just want everyone to see this fire in your eyes. Y'all come over here so that camera can see you. We're about to tell the world. It's on notice. She's a fighter. I like her. Every time she looks at me, she always looks like, I mean, they're going to hug you or take you down. (laughs) But they told me a story about what God was doing after those those weeks we spent about harvest, and and specifically the one at the gas station. It's the one I would love you all to tell. Who's going first? Okay. God is so good. He is so good. He's so good. Um, One evening, I had just got off of work, and... Uh, me and my mom, I was just like really tired. <laughs> and so we were like, we're going to get something to eat. And we looked and saw we needed gas. But we looked around and everything and we were lost. But a lot of times when we think that we're lost, God knows exactly where we are and where he's putting us. We got to the gas station. It was a young man there. He came to my mom like, hey, can I borrow your phone? I can't find my phone, you know, in my vehicle somewhere. My mom is like, "You as usual, hey, Deanna, can you go see what he wants or what they need, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I don't feel like talking to nobody. I don't want to be bothered, you know. I'm, I know. She had, a, she had a reason. But I didn't want to be bothered with anybody. I'm tired. I just got off of work. But. God always has a different plan. You're there for a reason. So I go and I see what the young man needed. And he's talking and now out the blue, he's distraught. He's just upset. He's hurting. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on with him? He said he needs me. He's trying to do it all without me. 
And I'm like, okay, Lord. You know, in my mind, I'm like, that's nice and all. <laughs> You're telling me quite a bit. I'm tired. I don't feel like being bothered. So I'm, I go ahead on and I'm just listening to him talk. But I'm also listening to what the spirit of the Lord is saying to me. And I just reached out and touched him and said, hey, it's okay. And in an instance, he starts to cry. His spirit just opened up. So from there at pump number three at the TA gas station, this young man gave his heart to the Lord. So talk about a victory. (laughs) And I was able to, um, the Lord used me to introduce him to Jesus and let him know that all this pain you're feeling God just wants to hug you. Jesus, he took this pain, this agony, everything that's going on in your body, your heart, your mind, he took that. He wants that burden. You're carrying too much because you're not built to carry it. The burden is his. So we were able to explain that to him and talk with him and pray for him and just love on him and to encourage him in the Lord. And I gave him the church address. I wrote down 1401, (laughs) Davis Alay, like, be here because the enemy is going to try to keep you from coming. So we're still praying for him. I haven't seen him walk through these doors, but I'm believing he's going to come through these doors. He's going to come through. So whenever you're out and about and you feel like you're lost or you don't know where you are, God knows exactly where you are. So just wait a minute to see who he has there for you because he has an encounter that he wants everyone. He, has, he wants you to have an encounter. He wants everybody to have an encounter with him. And they can't have an encounter with them if we're not in the right place, if we're having the wrong attitude, if, our, if we're just going to ignore the spirit of the Lord. So, yeah, that's part of the testimony. <laughs> the other thing that we were dealing with was the fact that the day that Pastor gave us that prophecy about the car back in the lot that day, <laughs> the blue Honda, we were, um, where were we? We were out to dinner, and um, we were sitting there. And our car was parked. They were, the, she and uh, Carrie. Carrie were outside the car talking. And I got in the car because I wasn't talking, and I was tired, and I sat down, and I said, okay, I'll just wait for them. So I'm sitting there listening to the music and sitting there, and all of a sudden I kind of dozed off. And all of a sudden I feel something bump the car. Somebody came along and hit the car and pushed it on off the parking spot it was at and kept going. And I said, what in the world? And I jumped out the car. I said, Deanna, go get that number. (laughs) She got my legs. What can I tell you? She took off. Before I could even say it good, she was gone. And uh, Carrie was standing there. She said, I got the number. I got the number. I said, find out where he's going then. So he caught himself riding around the back end of the parking lot and then goes over to the far end and just parked the truck and then just passed out. So we later found out that he was kind of on the tipsy side, well, well on the tipsy side, because he just sat there. We called the police. They came. And I told Deanna, I said, you know what this reminds me of? I said, that the prophecy that we got, the devil is mad at this car. 
He's mad at this car because wherever we go, whatever we do, we have to get in that car. And I, ha and I keep telling her, I say, you know, I got to make sure this car is up to speed all the time. I said, because you work too far and I have to go to too many different places in the day. I run a lot of errands for um, this company that I work with. And um, I'm always trying to keep the car up. I get the oil change. I do the uh, tires. I do all of that stuff to make sure this thing is running. So when he did that, and then it almost hit them. It almost hit them. And then I thought about it. I said, he didn't want them. He did not want them. He was just trying to destroy this car. I said, but that's all right because I'm going to get another one. I always do. I always tell the Lord what to do. You know, when it comes down to me not having, Lord, you said I could. You told me I did not have to. You said I didn't have to be sick. I do not want this cedar virus. I do not want it. I don't want it. Take it away in the name of Jesus. And I do. And I get relief because I believe it's all about your faith. And you call out those things that you want. Call out those things as though they were. And call them out and tell God what you want. And after you do that, just wait. Just wait. And watch and see what he do. Because he never lets you down. Like my song always say, he never lost a battle. He never lost a battle. And... and Hey, why'd you, why'd you have him tell that story? Because if you don't pick up the sickle, there's no harvest. If you don't pick up the sword, I'm telling you, it will get dull. It'll get dull laying on the ground. And the next thing you know, we'll be fighting possibly more with our soul than we are our spirit. It's important I bring that up because I, I just want to say this. It's time to pick up the sword again. There's time where Jesus says, you know, don't take a sword. And then there's time he said, take a sword. And I'm like, God, one time he said, don't. One time he did. Now it's time. I'm telling you. Two and a half weeks ago in my office, sword and shield and spear and sickle. And I knew we were talking a lot about the sickle. And it was so interesting. He said, no, all of these things, because we're going to be a multifaceted people who by faith are being led, then we get to pick up the sickle when it's time. You know, by, by the word of the Lord, we're clear what God is doing. And so a lot of times at this point, I have you stand up just all together because I'm a believer that everyone needs what God is saying. And so, you know, instead of like this thing, we're like, well, if, you, if, you, if this touched you today, stand up, you know. I grew up in that, and it, would just, it was almost like a count for the preacher. How did he do today, you know? How many people are going to stand up? But this morning I heard the Lord say, no, this will only be for people who want it. So you can't ask them to stand up today if they don't want it. Swords in your hand. If you just stood up, swords in your hand. I believe this. The spirit of Eleazar is going to come on us. The whole ground. There's another crazy mighty man that says he realized it was his patch of lentils. And he chose not to leave because it was his patch of ground. It says on that day he struck down many in the field of lentils. I believe this, that God is saying, I need you to pick up the sword. Obviously we're going to do shield. 
and spear and sickle. And we're going to show why it's a must. These are not optional. Like, well, it's for the special. No, it's for everyone in the kingdom. And as you're standing there today, I just want you to take a grip. I just want you to use your imagination for a minute. Some of you got big old two-hand claymores. Some of you got one-hand Frodo daggers, you know? Whatever it looks like. We'll grow your sword up if it's one of those Frodo daggers. But I want you to see it in your hand. I want you to see it guarding your heart, dealing with attitudes in your life, dividing between soul and spirit so that your soul can be healthy and your spirit can be fully alive. I want you to see that it's spirit breath and spirit breathe. It's not how much you can memorize, even though that's a good habit. It's how much you can apply. Some of you got words of the Lord in your life. I specifically, this morning, just had a thought of of Sue telling me about a word over Clint when he was a young boy, and that God was going to use him greatly. And I thought, man, it's 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 led his life. Some of you got words that you need to let lead your life, lead your steps. Some of you, it's time to take those words from potential and do it. Say, I don't have a platform. There's a whole world out there waiting for you. So as that sword is in your hand today, I just want you to make the commitment to live with it in your hand. Not to walk out of here and put it down. Not to go home and hang it on the wall. Even though I've got a real pretty one hanging in my office. No, to live with it. I'm going to say this. To be like John and Peter and let the sword do the work of the Lord in your life. So we just say, Lord, here we are. Ephesians 6 people putting on your armor and taking up your sword and your shield next week. But we take this sword and we just say, God, we choose to live by the word of the Lord. Whose report have we believed? We have believed the report of the Lord. We choose to believe your report. We choose to get into your word. We choose to get into prophetic words. We choose to press in and say, this is the word I now stand on. We repent if we've left the sword on the ground and we pick it up with no shame. And so Jesus, we ask that this week there would be such a fire in us to live in the Word of the Lord. We just thank You for what You're doing, God. We thank You that we're not teaching theory in here, God. That You're in the room. If You're for us, who can be against us, God? We thank You for Your presence today and Your goodness, Your love, Your life. We thank You for transformation in the room today. We thank You that if anyone in here that doesn't know You, Lord, they're, they're going to just come and receive You at the end here, Lord. We bless You today. We honor You. We love You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. If you need prayer for anything at all, they will be up front to pray with you. Our senior pastors, Tim and Elizabeth Darnell, are going to be right out the double door straight out the back there. If you're new-